welcome to yet another episode of Kappa Press. My name is Akshar and I will be the host for today's episode. Before I begin, I want to do a quick check. Do you think it's common to be called the newsletter monster or the newsletter nerd? No. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That is shocking. Alright, anyway, moving on. Today on our show, we have Dozzy, who is a very good acquaintance and I'm so glad he's on our show today. Hello, Dozzy. How are you doing? I'm, I'm great. I'm all right. I'm happy to be here. Excited, actually, for the conversation. Thank you so much for being here on the show today, Dozzy. And today we are going to be talking about newsletters and how can one begin with launching a newsletter and what are the tools and techniques involved. So before we dive deep into the topic, do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, Dozzy? Because I noticed that you started out as a sales representative and then switched to marketing. So how did that happen? I I, th- I think that I think that all the while I've always wanted to do marketing. I mean, and then, I mean, I started off in sales, um, did that for like a couple of months. I mean, that was actually my parents' business. Um, so yeah, I started out there, and then naturally I went to what I wanted to do, which was literally marketing, basically. And so it was for me. It was just a an evolution in my journey. Uh, was basically that yeah, I started off in sales do that for a bit and then move over to marketing because that's really what I've always wanted to do basically. Mm, Right, right, right. So right now you are a social and content marketer as well as you in the digital PR space, if I'm not wrong. Yes, yes. That's what, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. But over the next Mm -hmm. couple of, I'm at that point in my career where I think I'm, I'm changing again. So I've spent the past six, seven years I did tech startups and I just, I just, I just came off. I, I was working with Diageo Nigeria for the past um, 16 months, um, but I'm going to Miami art school from next month. So, I mean, for me, I'm basically moving into the social and content strategy space, which is basically content marketing, social marketing, brand storytelling. And so that's where I'm kind of really focused on right now, which is very exciting for me because for me, that is kind of tied into what I want to do in the long term. I mean, like I always say to everyone that I believe African brands have a lot of untold stories and I really want to spend the rest of my life telling most some of those stories, basically. So yeah, that's that's where I am right now. Beautiful, beautiful. I wish you the best with your journey ahead, Dozzy. So let's get started, shall we? Sure, sure, sure. All right. So before we begin, I also want to let you know that I'm a huge fan of Dozzy's newsletters. So that was the very reason we picked this topic that's sweet actually i mean thank you very much it's um i mean i'm always learning i'm always evolving i'm always looking at reading comparing just trying to say to myself that i always ask myself the other person who's going to open this newsletter why am why is this person going to open that newsletter i mean it has to be value and if i was the one who you sent the newsletter to would you open it if i let me just let me even tell a story so when I was in university, I tried to sell shirts. Yeah, I was, I was very entrepreneurial. So I tried to sell shirts and it just, it just didn't work. I, we, me and my friend, we bought all the shirts. No one was buying them. And, you know, I went to ask one of my older friends and I said, see what's happening. Like, I can't sell any of this. And people are not buying it. And, he, and I, he, I took a lesson from that conversation. He said to me that you cannot sell what you don't believe in. And that has been my approach to everything I do in life. So if I don't believe in something, I don't even bother trying to sell it to someone. If I don't, if I don't, if I can't eat or if I can't use what I'm trying to talk about, 
then I will not give it to someone, you know, because that lesson really stuck with me. I tried because of the painful one. I invested some money in the shirts and I didn't get it back, you know. So, I mean, it's for me, that's how I approach my newsletter. I say to myself that if I, if I send this newsletter to myself, would I open it and read it and find value in it? Yeah, so that's, um, yeah, that's me. Yeah, that's I. Absolutely. That's a beautiful approach, Josie. And I think it's very evident from your newsletter. So, all right, let's do this. So for anybody who is going to get, who is wanting to launch a newsletter, how do you think they can decide on what topics they would like to write upon? How do you pick the niche when it comes to a newsletter? Okay, so I, I think that, I think it's, it's, a, it's a bit, it sounds a bit, um, so some people would say, oh yeah, what's your tool and what's your, what are you doing at the moment? Which is true. I mean, yeah, you could say, you know what, I want to curate stuff, but I like to start from like, what's your content mission? I mean, that's what I say to myself, like, what's your sweet spot? What's that one thing that you can talk about comfortably every single time? What's that, what's your expertise? And you know, it's so easy to say, oh, you know, I'm in marketing, so I'm going to talk about marketing, but that is not really your sweet spot. You know, you have your, what your audience want or what your, the audience needs and what they want, you know, what can you give them that makes their life better, their job better, you know, that is, and it can be informative and entertaining, basically. Because for me, it's, you, need, you need to answer the, the, that question. And once you answer that question, the next, the next question you start to say to yourself, once you know what your content mission is, you start to say to yourself, so what's my, I, I learned this from Joe Pulisi. He says, what's your content tilt? Like, like your content tilt is what separates you from the rest of, rest of the world. Like every other person who sends out newsletters, what is that one thing or what is that, angle what is that niche or what is that expertise you bring that allows you to say that thing or share that knowledge with people differently from other people because if not you're just one of the main newsletters out there i mean you'll become oh yeah yeah one of those newsletters that after a while the person just literally deletes it or says i don't think this gets value because i mean they scare it from many other people so for me like that's the that's the first thing like you need to say to yourself that if someone gets your newsletter will they say okay, does this newsletter provides me with X, Y, Z information? And that is why I subscribe. You know, that, that is why I come there because that's why I read every time he or she sends it. You know, so I think those are the two things you need to first answer. You know, that way you're not competing with anybody on the web. Right, right, right. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. You just have to pick one thing that you can go on and on for us. I think that wraps up your answer. Mm-hmm. Right. So moving on, Dozi, once that you've decided you want to talk about a certain topic, the very next challenge is building an email list. Right. So how do you go ahead with building an email list? Because you've got to convince people to give you their email IDs. So how do you do that, Dozi? So really, most of the time, like everybody starts from ground zero, except you probably work with a company who has... Um, I mean, it, maybe if you're a company, you probably will have a couple of subscribers you've gotten from somewhere, but most people start from ground zero. And for me, I usually say that you, the first question you need to answer or the first thing you need to do is to describe your audience, you know, who's your target audience. I mean, the more niche, the better, you know, what kind of information do they need or what kind of content do they like? I mean, do they like video? Do they like short text? Do they like long form text? Do they like to, someone, are they looking for someone to curate information for them? Or do they want um, information that someone to summarize insights for them? You know, um, what do they care about? I mean, how would this help them? You know, answering those questions, what's your, what's your unique value proposition? You know, answering these questions kind of helps you to start saying to yourself, 
like so where where can i find these people you know because because most of the time you really have nobody so once you answer these questions you can now start to say i now know the places where these people hang out and i can go and start promoting my newsletter there using very interesting ways to show what show what i'm doing now as usual um in the startup world they say whenever you start something you start with your fffs friend family and fools so that's literally you're starting out and so so you so normally i mean that is advisable to do that to give you some confidence i mean even if you're writing to one person so you say to your friend hey this is what i'm doing but i always say that find your friends and families and fools that look like your audience because that way you always get the feedback that helps you to keep on honing your newsletter i mean like i've read right my newsletter for two years now and i i have literally been like I am so hungry for feedback. Like I literally ask, I'm always asking questions. I'm saying, please tell me what you think because I'm adjusting every single time because it's a continuous journey, you know, and that's the only way you get more subscribers. It's almost like saying how you keep on stripping off your zone of genius till you find the zone of genius. I mean, so it's easy to say I found my zone of genius or you're looking for meaning. You never really find meaning. You just keep on looking for meaning and it's a continuous journey all the way to the end, you know? So you answer those questions and if you say, you know what, I'm going to talk to a couple of friends to sign up, just really ensure that those people are like your audience. Because what you want to do is you say, every day you sit down to write, you say to yourself, I'm writing to X kind of person, you know, and then I send it to them, you know. So one is, and what that means is that when you're, when you promote your newsletter, or when you find a way to push your newsletter or distribute it to those places you've identified those your audience is, they're more likely to sign up because then they see the value in it. You know, so I think the, it's easy to say, you know what, let's just promote the newsletter and all that. But I think you actually start from who are you, who do you want to talk to and where are they? And then you build, you, you craft your content to fit those people and then go to where they are, their usual watching rooms and find them. Right, 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 right. Got that. Moving on, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is determining the frequency of how often you send across your newsletter. So how do you think anybody can determine the frequency? I think really it's a, it's it's contextual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very contextual. It's very contextual. I mean, so like I I do once a week. Um, at, when I started, I used to do two times a week. Some people do actually want twice a month. Some people do once a month. I think it really depends on one your audience too. I mean, what kind of and what information are you giving to them? So if and what stage of of their life they are in. I mean, so. Like let's say let's say let's say you're writing news to mothers um, who are who are who just who newly new new mothers with new babies or kids or just you know. this kind of people are going through child child raising issues almost almost every day and so sorry I have Daddy, a four year old who's disturbing. Daddy, I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping. There you go. I'm sleeping. Thank you. <laughs> so, if you if you have like if you have children who are growing up, or uh, you have a, you're, you're writing news that to children to, to mothers who have kids, those people their life stage means that they they go through issues or snobby issues. They go to, they have things they want to solve almost every now and then. So probably for them, if you wrote two times a week they would find you very valuable because then you're literally answering some of those questions. You're very handy. You're, anytime they're thinking of a problem, they're going directly to you. Now, if you're writing for a very high level professional audience, maybe let's say for CEOs who, 
who don't have that much time. I mean, sending them into that every week, you're probably going to clutter up their inbox and they will delete your say. But let's say you send them every once a month, you send them an insight or a summary of things happening in their industry. They'll find it very valuable because then your 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 news that comes to them at a time when they find it, they, they when they need it. So I think it just matters on who you're talking to. Right? So once you pick your audience, I mean, and I keep on going back to the audience because I think that really, like my, well, my, my belief is that, and that's my perspective, that the audience plays a huge role in almost everything you do when you're, when you're trying to build out a newsletter. Like it affects your, your, your cadence, like your frequency. How many times you send to them, it affects where you promote, it affects how you distribute, it affects, um, it affects the kind of content you create, it affects even the level or the style. I mean, it affects your tone of voice. So the audience plays a huge role in almost every single thing you're doing in your newsletter um, delivery. I think the next question that I have been personally looking for an answer for a really long time is choosing your mail service provider. There's MailChimp, there is Octopus, there's Substack. And I see that a lot of love has been growing towards Substack lately. So how did you pick the service provider when you had to start Dozzy? Okay, so I, th I think when I started, I started from, I mean, I started with MailChimp and at that point in time, it was, MailChimp was the most popular newsletter um, provider out there, I, I think. It was the most popular newsletter provider. It was, it had a very, a free option that was very attractive. So you didn't have to pay anything. I think you had to wait till you get to 2K subscribers. And then also because I really love the fact that I could create landing pages with them. Um, but over time, I, I, I discovered Substack and um, I just felt Substack was much easier to use. It's almost like writing on a blog. I feel like I'm writing a blog post and then I send that to my users. That's what it feels like. And just the fact that people can easily go there and see every single thing you've written before. You know, that's why, that's, so it's almost like you have like a website and a newsletter. So it's just, we, I mean, I still have my own blog, but that, that ability to, people can actually go and see what you've written before and read it. But on MailChimp, people really can't do that. I mean, all they can do is just get your newsletter. So that's what I love about Substack. Some people would argue that, oh, you could explore the, the complicated um, options, so all the convert kits and the rest. And I just say, I, I think that unless you're a business that needs to run some complex automation sequences on email, you really don't need all those, all those complex um, or to pay a lot for um, an email newsletter at the, at the beginning. I mean, you just find the simplest, most affordable, if possible, free option and just start using it. You'll get better at it. And then hopefully someday your email newsletter will give you an option to pay. I mean, to pay for itself. And then you can now start to subscribe for something very complex. I mean, even Substack even allows you to get paid subscribers or something. But yeah, I mean, I just feel like in the end, really, MailChimp, Substack, I think it just really, I, it really works for almost anybody to start off with. But I would advise, I would, I would advise Substack. It's just really simple and sweet. Mm -hmm. Right. Now that you've brought it up, I was going to ask you, when do you decide that, okay, I'm going to charge for my subscribers? So when do you take that move? When do you decide to charge people for it? Oh, that's a very tricky question, actually. <laughs> that's a tricky question. Like, I mean, like, how do you decide? I really, I really can't say, honestly. I mean, will I charge? Sometimes I ask myself that question. Will I charge at some point? I probably will want to charge at some point. Um, um, at some point, I will charge uh, when I think that I have the credibility to 
charge people to pay me, I think. I mean, what? right now, all I just want to do is learn. And as I learn, I share. I mean, that's how I look at it because I believe that when you learn something and then you talk about it, it's much easier for you to retain it. Something about neuroplasticity. So um, for me right now, it's just learn as much as you can, practice, write, do stuff, and then share those learnings with the people who are following you because then... Um, like what someone said to me over a call one day, a fantastic lady called Aurora. She said, Aurora, she said that when you raise people around you, everything goes up too. So for me, it's more like at this point in time is learn and then just pass it on to other people to use. And maybe someday I'll charge. But at this point in time, no plans yet. <laughs> right, right, right. So my next question would be, how do you stay committed to creating content? Because one day you might wake up and you might not feel like creating any content. So how do you stay committed to creating content for a newsletter that you send out? <sighs> write what you love, right? Write about what you love. And then I think it's also tied to, I mean, I think it's, for me, it's write about what you love, really. Because if you, for me, what I'm currently writing on something that's tied to my, my long-term mission or what I think my mission or purpose is in life. Um, and so I just keep on going. And I, some days I feel horrible, but I just tell myself that, you know, it's every single day all adds up to the thing you want to do in the, in the future. So for me, it's write, write about what you love. That, that makes it easy. You know, every other thing, I mean, discipline, um, consistency, you know, making sure it's valuable, you know, making it exclusive. All those things all matter. But I mean, those things all help in the long term to drive that. But I think for me, it's just the basic thing is just write about something you love doing. It's much easier. It's much easier to do that because then you want to write about it, you want to talk about it. Because for me, I'm literally sharing something I've learned that week, so I'm, and I'm excited about it. I'm all, for me, I'm very excited to share that with people. But if it's something, if it's not something you love, it can be a problem. Which is why for me, that's why I begun with you need, to, you need to be very clear about your mission and your content tilt. Because once you solve for those two, it's um, work becomes play, play becomes work. Is really just a part of your life that you're fulfilling, basically. Just like how if you love to play soccer, every Saturday or Sunday, you want to go and play soccer with your friends. For me, that's how I approach newsletters. How do I make it such a way that it's a part of the fabric in everything I do in my life? My, I have a kind of what I want to post on LinkedIn sometimes. Um, but my newsletter usually most of the time is, like, I do a lot of reading. Then work also work because I do content marketing. Work also means that sometimes I'm studying something. So most of the times, what I share my newsletter are my biggest learnings every week. That's actually what I share my newsletter is. So what are the three biggest things I've learned every week, both from a content perspective and from a life perspective? And that's what I just share. You know, for me, it's, my newsletter is like a running diary of myself. So at the end of the week, that's what I said on Friday. Like I said to myself, so where am I this week? And what have I learned? So what, what are the new things I've learned that are valuable or people might find valuable that are valuable to me? And then I share that with people. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. And this brings me to my very last question, Dozi. Is there mm -hmm. any specific experiment that you did that increased your open rate or that increased your response rate? Was there anything interesting that you did and it kind of turned around the whole thing for you? Um, so I think the most interesting thing I did was when I started experimenting with my headlines. So when I started out writing, I literally would just, I just picked the headline and put it out there. And then I started exploring with headlines, started playing around with headlines. I said... Um, I started discovering formulaic headlines and story story led headlines, which is why like the question I asked on LinkedIn last week about which works better, literally, you know. And so I just started playing with those two formulas. So I, sometimes I start I try a headline that is 
very natural. Like it's like a story. You're literally just saying something that what what the way they say write like you talk. So what your friend will say to you, that's what I use my headline or the normal how to X, Y, Z. And I play with both of them to see which works best, you know, and then I'm learning that actually the story led headlines do a lot of good work for me. I get a lot of people to open my, my newsletters when I do that. Um, the formulaic headlines work sometimes, but I don't know, I guess some people say formulaic work for them, work, works much better for them. But for me, I love the story led headlines and that's what I like to use all the time. Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. I know I told you that previous question was the last one, but I'm more curious to get an answer for one last question, if you will. <laughs> sure, yeah, sure, that. sure. So, uh, right now, do you think creating content for newsletters as a service itself is growing? Is it something that companies outsource at this moment? Oh, I see. I, I, I mean, I, I honestly have no view. I have no views on that because I really don't have any data. Um, but mm -hmm. one thing I'm really clear about is that, is that I know that there's a lot of there are tons of newsletters out there right now. I mean, there's a lot of newsletters. Almost every company has a newsletter. Or almost every marketer has a newsletter, you know. So, and it's becoming, you know, I saw, I read something on LinkedIn the other day by um, Katie Mitchell, where she said that the inbox, the inbox is going to go back to where it was before when we wanted to, because we, we've, marketers have spoiled the inbox. We've already the inbox with, chaff and stuff and then people are now reacting and deleting and cleaning up again and so that actually affords an opportunity for people to create beautiful content or wholesome content that people want to read you know because then i mean after we delete everything from our inbox we start all over again it's a it's a vicious cycle though and so i believe that yeah at some point i mean some people people would earn money from just writing newsletters for, for companies but at the moment where i have no data on that honestly I just, what i just don't i'm just clear about is that we have too many newsletters right now. And so if the question is you really need to ensure that whatever you're writing, whatever you're putting out there um, is valuable to your audience or else you'll become one of the newsletters that are cut off when people are cutting or deleting stuff of their inboxes. Right, right, right. Beautiful. Thank you for answering that, Dozzy. So rapid yeah, fire, last question. Much. If you had to pick just five favorite newsletters of yours, what would those five be? You can't think. <laughs> the top of your head. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I can't think. Um, out, out, Anne Hanley's Anarchy, um, Shane Parish, Farnham, Shane Parish, um, Farnham Streets, Brain Food. It's called Brain Food or something. I like my two biggest ones. I love a lot. Um, Andy Christodina, um, Andy Christodina. That's another one I love. I don't read it all the time, but when it comes, I save it. Um, there's this one I just discovered yesterday, Enchanting Marketing by some lady called Hanuke or something, or, or Anne Hanuke, it's enchanting marketing or so. Beautiful, like it's really amazing. So that's like four. Last one, uh, last one. Oh yeah, last one was the one you introduced to me um, by the cool guy. Uh, what's oh his name? yes, he's the cool Tony guy, Go actually. Cool, the cool guy. It is, it is amazing, God. Like <laughs> I love that newsletter. Yeah, I just, you know, like, no, it's like, it's a, like, I want to start writing like him because he feels like, <laughs> right. reading, and I know, right? Like, you fall in love with his writing that I don't know how yeah. to describe it better than this. Yeah, it's like a storybook. It's just like you're in a storybook, like you're in a fantasy world or something. <laughs> that is cool, newsletter. Mm. Yeah. Hey, so we have the top five.
Thank you. All right. So we have come towards the end of this episode, Dozi. Thank you so much for being here. It was fun talking to you, and I hope you had fun. Same well. here. Yes, I did. Actually, I did. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me on. Pleasure is mine, Dozi. Take care, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.